With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Blue Wire. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton. Some rhythm. And he got it, young ball. Continues to wear him out. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Roan. The Cleveland Cavaliers got served two steaming hot lessons over the weekends, or at least since we last recorded. I had a long weekend, so I'm going to count as part of the weekend. Um, but you know what? There's, there, there's still a lot of things to, to talk about from that. And with me today to discuss all of that is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, man. Um, obviously, uh, not 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 the most fun last couple games for the Cavaliers, but you know, such is life. Uh, you don't always get uh, to just roll through contenders uh, <laughs> like a like a hot knife through butter. And uh, against the Celtics, the Cavs got the humbling that I expected, and then they bounced back as well as I could have conceivably asked them to have against the Lakers, despite LeBron going nuclear. So I, I'm pretty encouraged uh, still. Yeah, you called that Celtics game uh, pretty much perfectly. You messaged me early in that morning. I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to ride the good vibe waves. But uh, you know what? They got out tryharded. And well, I, I, I would like to note, I, I said Celts will come in angry. And you said, "Is is being does being angry help you beat a contender if you're a fraud? So I think, <laughs> if anything, you... Uh, spoke that Celtics ass kicking into existence with, <laughs> with some uh, high key arrogance. I will take responsibility for that. Um, I was in full arrogance season mode and you know what? You're, you're right. Um, it was a good lesson though, because I, I think it was a reminder that the team needed um, that they are talented enough to hang in a lot of these games, but a lot of that is really not without trying real hard. Yeah, a lot of that is really dependent on their effort, right? Like, they are a team that throughout the season has played really hard. Um, We've seen a lot of these kind of blowout games where things just get completely out of hand early on, and this was kind of the Cavs' first taste of that this season. Um, But you know what? I I, I think it was a a good lesson. Um, Colin Sexton and the rest of the starters basically got benched after the first half. Um, obviously the Larry Nance Jr. injury is really concerning, uh, especially moving forward, but they did come out really well against the Lakers. I liked what Torian Prince did, uh, in replacement of Nance and they remembered that, Hey, effort equals competitiveness, at at least when it comes to this season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they just can't get away without it. You know, they have to, they have to push in transition. They have to work really hard on defense. Like there were just so many late lazy closeouts that led to easy cleanups for the Celtics that, you know, that hasn't been their MO this season. And I thought they really came at the Lakers with a lot of energy and, um, and did something maybe more important than that is they, you know, they, they clawed back. The Lakers were in control of that game pretty much yes. start to finish. Um, but the Cavs never let themselves be knocked out. 
And I think that's an important thing. I mean, well, I guess they got knocked out at the end, but you get what I mean. <laughs> um, you know, I think that they, they, they maintained contact and kind of just forced their way, forced the Lakers to put them away. And that is the next step in the developmental cycle, which is you're not always going to beat good teams, especially when they're as good as the Lakers who are unbelievable, by the way. Let yeah. me just note, they are unbelievably talented. <laughs> um, and you feel it more when it's against your team, uh, even though I already knew that they were unbelievably talented. But, yeah. you know, they, they, the Cavs fought, and that's really – that's kind of the next step is make them make them beat you uh, as opposed to sleepwalking into a win like the Lakers have been doing all season. Yeah, and I think it was a game that really kind of emphasized the value of possessions, right? Like the, the Lakers, there were stretches where they didn't really keep their foot on the gas and the, the Cavs took advantage of that. And then later in the game – there were some frustrating possessions, especially as you started to become invested in realizing, hey, maybe the Cavs could steal this one, where uh, Drummond tried bringing it up and had a turnover, McGee tried bringing it up and having a turnover. It, it was just one of those times where, yeah, the freelancing is fun and all. Um, it's fine when you're up big or you're down big and you're just trying some stuff out. But when it's the final five minutes of the fourth quarter, maybe you can dial that back just a hair. Oh, Cavs Twitter was... Uh, not happy campers uh, about the, the JaVale possession. It was like the first time I it was really like, okay, JaVale, <laughs> they're not down 30. You can't play like this. Like you can dick around when the team's down double digits, but it was, uh, it was time to pay attention. And that was not his best effort. No, no, it, it absolutely was not. I, I did actually kind of like seeing how frustrated Cavs Twitter was. Um, one, because I'm sadistic. Two, because that's expectations. Like, th this team has actually got to a point where we've developed some sort of expectations. And I think, uh, for the most part, th this season is one that it's kind of like a feeling out process, figuring out exactly how good these young guys are. I think the consensus is they're ahead of schedule. We're just going to learn how far ahead of schedule they are and whether or not they can overcome this Nance injury if it's something that's prolonged. Um, but yeah, it like... It, it's got to a point where people are starting to, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm uh, battling through a bit of a cold, but people are starting to actually feel uh, like they expect the Cavs to show up, play well, and potentially knock off any team. And that's a fun spot to be in. Yeah, I just saw that JaVale McGee had a negative 46 net rating in <laughs> his 13 minutes. And boy, did he feel that. And some of that's not his fault. I will say that. Like, with the, when the team doesn't have any power forwards on the roster, it's just really, really hard for them to play the right lineups that can beat a good Lakers team. You know, mm -hmm. any any JaVale, Jared Allen minutes were just a disaster, and that's not a combination that makes any sense. Like, Drummond, Jared Allen makes some sense because Drummond is at least capable of passing out of the high post and all that fun stuff. Um, but, man, yeah, there were, were just times where they just couldn't trot out uh, winning lineups. But I will say, continue to enjoy my Jetty Osman experience this season. <laughs> I feel like he is, in a lot of ways, someone who is pushing them and, and being that Kickstarter for them uh, to get them competitive in games. You know, uh, he hit two, two tough threes in a row to bring the game within three. Um, he's been pretty consistent in pushing and transition. I've been really, really pleased with his effort. Uh, in terms of uh, kind of what they're getting from him on the wing. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the three-point shooting is obviously what stands out. I, I don't think the percentage is as high as last season yet, um, but the volume's way up, and, and it just looks better than it did last season. Um, the low points are still low. Uh, he he yep. has had a few real bad stinkers, but um, when you're talking about kind of managing expectations with him and, okay, well, he comes in, um, obviously started this game, but moving forward, he's going to be coming in with a second unit, kind of giving you a spark off the bench, providing that three-point shooting, secondary playmaking. Uh, Torian Prince means he doesn't have to play power forward as much, which I, I think we're all happy about. Um, but it, like, he's a valuable role player at this point. Like, he, he really does bring things that they need to the table. And uh, I, we've talked about it a million times before, but it's really just kind of expectations management with Jetty, right? Like if you were expecting him to be the successor to LeBron James in Cleveland, he's not going to be that, but he is a good rotation player. Yeah, I completely agree. I just think, I feel like I saw the market overcorrecting on Jetty and maybe that's why I keep talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? Like this is the, he's taken in just, in 30 minutes a game, 31 minutes a game, he's getting up seven threes a game. And that's mm-hmm. really, really important for this team because they cannot generate three-point volume right now, especially with my dear friends, and we need to talk to them. We need to have a, a sit-down with our dear friends, Darius and Dylan, about their <laughs> three-point attempt volume. Fellas, we're not getting a lot better <laughs> than an well, open three-point shot from you guys. Yeah, Dylan for sure. Uh, Darius, I, I was planning on going there a little later, but I am concerned about his shoulder right now. Um, I don't have long-term concerns about him, but that is something that when you injure your shooting shoulder, you're not getting shots up in your time off. It kind of It's evident that it's thrown off his rhythm. And I did like against the Celtics, he was pulling, right? Like he was getting those shots up. I, I think some of that was the game was completely out of reach and it's like okay well i might as well try to get these shots up and try to kind of get some of my confidence back get that touch back um but against the lakers didn't even attempt a three-pointer it's clear he doesn't yet have confidence in that shot yet um he he did find ways to impact the game in other ways which was nice still finished five of ten from the floor with some of those floaters on the inside um, but he's not even getting as close to the rim as he was before. He's kind of t- hesitant to get that contact on the inside. And the finishing around the rim has suffered as a result of that. He, he's throwing it up from a little further out than he did before. He, he's not kind of knifing through the contact or keeping a dribble alive in the paint. And at least in the short term, until he gets his confidence back, I'm just a little bit concerned because they really do need what he brings to the table offensively. Uh, well, first off, I want to lead with saying I went to pull up his NBA.com stats profile to talk about this. And I just, you know, Googled Darius Garland so I could get there. And you know how Google has the uh, people also ask section? Yeah. It just said people always also ask, is Darius Garland good? <laughs> Who's Googling this <laughs> in that way? What I thought world. it would be you because you're not watching. Oh my goodness. Anyway, I'm not as worried as you are. Uh, first off, um, you know, first game back, he didn't play much. So it didn't matter. And then he just went into the teeth against two defenses that are kind of tailor-made to make his life hell. Yeah. Um, I think oh, he's he looking- was getting frustrated against Boston. Like you actually him and Sexton uh, seemed frustrated because they were allowing a lot of contact and it was clear like Darius went into the key a couple times and just wasn't getting the calls and he was kind of 
hanging his head a little bit. He, he was frustrated. You could tell on the court. Uh, Sexton was also getting bothered by uh, Marcus Smart. But yeah, you, you could tell that the style of defense those teams are playing had some impact on it. Well, and the, the, the Lakers, you know, like, I mean, there were a couple plays. It was funny. So I, I, he had two floaters. He left really, really short. Mm-hmm. And I saw someone go, oh, tough stretcher Darius Garland there. And I just said, I just thought, uh, tough first games against Anthony Davis for Darius Garland because <laughs> on both possessions, he had AD either coming over to help or on a switch. And you know what? Like that stuff just takes time. I, I, I'm i not terribly worried about the shoulder. I still think he's playing aggressive um, for the most part. I mean, just the three points out there. Yeah, he, he does real fast out there. Yeah, the play, I mean, in the Nets uh, beat down when he, you know, he sprinted to get the loose ball to throw the lob to Allen. Uh, he definitely has early uh, rhythm with with uh, Jared Allen, which I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of fine with him being on the bench. My biggest takeaway really isn't that. Um, well, it is that Darius needs to get back to 100 percent, but I am officially on the team needs to go find a backup point guard. Oh, yeah, I, I um, agree with that. I think there were some people who thought, hey, you know, with the way and and I think we you even made this point like, hey, you know, with the way that they're going to play the lineups there, you're always going to have one of Colin or Darius on the floor. And that's okay. But if one of them isn't on, then you have nothing off the bounce. Yeah. And um, I think just having, you know, you know, I think that when this team is looking to move a JaVale, looking to move at Andre Drummond, uh, if they're able to, I think, I hope that they're chasing a backup point guard. You know, you look at someone like Jalen Brunson in Dallas, who seems to be wearing out his welcome a bit. Just a little bit more on the ball juice would be really helpful for this team on a game to game basis. Yeah. And a big part of me not really being in a rush to find a backup point guard was, well, K- KPJ is going to come back and you want him to have ball handling responsibilities. Yep, I well, remember that point specifically. Now, now that is no longer part of the equation. And I, I don't think they're going to rush to sign one. Um, I think they're going to keep that open roster spot because if they are looking to move Andre Drummond or even Kevin Love, um, which Kevin Love returned to the wacky rumor mill uh, this week. But if they do that, you're likely getting at least two players back. It's going to be a one for two, one for three, two for three kind of deal. And you need to have that extra roster space. But if one of the players you're getting back is a, a backup point guard, I, I think that would be helpful. Something that they'll they'll need at some point this season. Um, my concern with Garland is specifically for this stretch, because obviously I'm rooting for the team to overachieve to some extent. And this is a winnable stretch of Detroit, Knicks, Wolves twice before you get to the month of hell. And I just like to see some positive momentum going into that. And, and I think he would need to be a big part of that. You're right. It's still nice that the the playmaking seems to be there. The defense is there. He's playing fast. He's still having a positive impact on the floor. But the three point shooting is just so important to his ability to uh, for his ability to create for himself and others. That I I just want to see those attempts going up uh, the way they did prior to his shoulder injury. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I I completely agree with you. And even if they're not going, I just want to see him. You know, attacking. I think he's probably the best at manipulating uh space uh, off the dribble uh mm-hmm. with kind of you know with the with the lob threats he now has on the team uh so yeah I, i'm very hopeful to to kind of see that moving forward because they need him they need him to be kind of the one who destabilizes defenses especially given the degree to which teams have been keying on colin lately 
Yeah, I agree. And it, speaking of Sexton, I'm really, really pleased um, by the evolution of his game, even throughout this season. Um, these were probably two of his tougher games from the field, uh, going up against Marcus Smart, Alex Caruso. Um, the God, officials... Caruso is very, very good defensively. He is very good defensively, and it certainly didn't help that the Cavs weren't getting a friendly whistle. I hate being the refs guy. Um, people that listen to the podcast know I almost never bring them up because I treat them like a force of nature. That was not that was that was a game, especially the Lakers game, that was testing my abilities. To, yeah, the La- uh, Lakers. Time. It's just one of those things where it just you know you felt like you were playing the NBA champions in the way that the game was being officiated and like that, you know, like it or not, like, and, you know, I'm not even going to get super terribly mad about it when I disagree because, you know, frankly, that's how it's supposed to work, you know, biases play in and, and, and it's not by, it's not big market bias or anything of that sort. It's this team is better than this team bias. And when one team is better than the other, you're more likely to give them kind of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I just don't like Kyle Kuzma being the uh, recipient of the benefit of the doubt. No. I, I have no idea why he, of all people, gets a star whistle. <clears throat> but when it comes to Sexton, I, I have been really encouraged by the fact that he's actually learning how to make an impact in games when the scoring isn't there. Like, he recognizes when the defenses are keying in on him. Actually, the second game, Brooklyn was another good example of that. But he's finding alternative ways to impact the game through his defense, his passing. Um, He's really active off ball. And those are the little things. Those are the little things that take him from being a legitimate score, um, kind of a maybe all-star level scorer and an actual all-star and an actual star or superstar. Like the the best players in the league find ways to impact a game positively and to win a game when the opponent is taking away what they do best. And for Sexton to already be showing that is something I, I didn't expect this quickly. Like the, the passing has legitimately improved. He's manipulating the defense and actually passing some guys open. Whereas before it was recognizing, hey, there's an open guy. You can make an extra pass. You can swing it. It can be a driving kick. He was legitimately manipulating the defense at times and creating shots for uh, his teammates. And that was something I didn't expect to see this early on. No, I think he's really starting to figure it out more and more and more. You know, you look at his last you know three games or so where teams were really, really uh, keying into him as a scorer. I think he's been finding uh, he found some duckins in the post, like just plays. He just was straight up missing, mm-hmm. you know, for the majority of his career. I mean, he's got a 35% as this percentage uh, his last three games, um, you know, up from 21.2 for the season. I'm pretty impressed. You know, he's starting to figure out some counters. Uh, I do think there are some, He's not used to getting a defense bent his way like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there has been a – and maybe it's just the personnel that's kind of driving this. I'm really interested to see how this Pistons game goes, just to kind of get a sense of, like, back-to-normalcy game, like after this kind of meat-grinder defense is the last two games. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of want to see if if def- if he's kind of able to go back to normal because it really felt like – there was no road to 20 points for him yeah. <laughs> the last two games. 
Well, Boston, he might have, but I, I obviously with him getting benched after the, the first half, that kind of took that away. And you know what? I almost wonder if part of the rationale for JB was, all right, this is kind of being a thing, your 20-point streak. Let's just focus on winning. I'm going to bench you. The streak's going to end. And now you can just focus on making the right basketball play. And I, I felt like he did that against the Lakers. And, you know... <clears throat> Him progressing as a passer and and really kind of being a solid secondary playmaker, it, it really does help you form more functional lineups. Like it, it allows you to put different wings in. It allows you to um, survive those minutes without Garland better than they have in the past. And <clears throat> I, I just I just think it's a really positive step. I, I didn't expect it this soon. I, I kind of thought he be just because. Colin Sexton, he's going to outwork absolutely everybody, and he's going to try to work on this stuff. I figured he could get to a point where he's at that kind of four assists per game uh, plateau, but I, I do really, really think that uh, the growth that he's showing and the fact that he's doing this all at the same time, that he is improving on defense, he's improving as a passer, he's improving as a scorer, it, it's just it's basically unheard of. It, it is so fun to watch, and I love that, like, at this point, there are still some people that are kind of vocally doubting Sexton, but for the most part, everyone seems to be. In no, on this I think experience. everyone's here. I mean, there's some people who have their heels dug in, but I think everyone's kind of in at this at this stage. I mean, he hasn't been great the last two games, and yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I do think people are start the the conversation is starting to turn, which has always been my point. I remember when he was snubbed from top 100. What did I say? I said, you know, one way to fix that. Win games, Stop some games, <laughs> win games. And for all the, you know, the high minded, high pollutant analysis and, and play breakdowns and, and advanced metrics, everything still kind of still tracks back to does your team win? Mm-hmm. And then eventually it becomes, does your team win in the playoffs? And until like, and, and that's what it's going to take. So eventually the Cavs are going to make the playoffs maybe this year, uh, maybe Colin, uh, gets his shit rocked in the playoffs, and then we go, oh, he's not a playoff player until he is. You know, it's just like it's all it's all so results driven, even though we try to pretend it's not. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm not super worried about the public perception on him. I am more worried about what my eyes are seeing because I will say this, and I'll continue to 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 beat this drum because I do think it's important uh, out of respect for the growth of his game. It's like he is taking active steps forward. Anyone who says he was always this way, I'm just not interested in hearing that. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't. He's gotten smarter in terms of how he plays. He's gotten more skilled um, in terms of how he attacks on a possession-by-possession possession basis. Like, he cleaned up his shot selection. The defense is slowly but surely improving. Like, like miss me with that idea that he's always been this. But he is there now, and it feels like his trajectory is going to go up a little bit more. This, this t- next topic is not a rundown, but I do – think it's an important one to be a, a I wanted to mention this looking at the box score because I do want to mention this even though I don't think it's going to be a popular subject among our listeners okay I think the Lakers game shows you that even with Jared Allen trading Andre Drummond will make this team worse you know what that that's a good take um I still think it depends on who you get back Sure. Um, if you get like a, a very good backup back, maybe, but like it is likely to make the team worse. Can we say that? 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, the, the thing with Andre Drummond that gets tricky is we haven't seen him play at this intensity level, maybe ever, um, certainly not on the defensive end of the floor. There's always the concern that you're not going to get this Drummond moving forward. I mean, when we had Matt Moore on the yeah, podcast, it was something that was brought up. Um, if you pay him, is he going to give you this effort? If you don't move him and you want it to be moved, is he going to give this effort? Like, so... Even in this season, there's been kind of inconsistent stretches. But when sure, you and, and going, I'm, yeah, I want to be clear here that I'm not saying you can't trade Andre Drummond. It's that anyone who thinks trading Andre Drummond will be some panacea that makes this team take another leap, I'm dubious because no. Mark Gasol had nothing against Andre Drummond when he faced him up. Like he was so quick footed. Uh, so uh, physical in his attacks and Gasol could not handle him. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason he was went for 25 and 17, uh, despite only getting three free throw attempts, which by the way, unfavorable whistle. Cause he was getting his ass beat a yeah, lot. Pretty egregious. <laughs> um, and, and Mark Gasol is fairly washed. I, I think like the, but what I'm saying is Jared Allen could not take advantage of Mark Gasol. No, no, he, Andre he, Drummond could dead. He, he could not. And I, I think the, proper framing for a potential Drummond trade if it does happen is you don't expect the team to take a leap after it you would kind of hope that you're able to survive and because you don't have like championship aspirations of the season it's okay it's not going to be as big of a hit it's going to be a long-term move maybe you add some depth the pieces fit a little more but now you're relying on guys that are less proven than what Andre Drummond brings to the table and I'm certainly going to miss him like the final stretch was not great for Drummond and McGee, but I'm going to miss both of them. Like, I, I think both of them made this team better throughout this season. And I'm interested to see what the market's going to be, but um, there isn't the high ceiling that no, you no, saw from and Drummond. I'm not saying there clear, isn't the high ceiling you see from Drummond against the Lakers. Like, Jared Allen isn't going to bring that to the table. He's not able to take over the game the way Andre Drummond is. And yeah, we, we haven't seen that every single night, but the possibility of that um, is a big part of why the Cavs have had such a strong start. Yeah. And I think that they still should look to move them uh, just because of, you know, the, just the financial realities that would go into keeping him. So you might as well try to get some value. Um, but all I'm saying is I think he can be a bit of a boogeyman for the fan base. So I feel kind of an obligation to kind of play devil's advocate and say, Jared Allen is not a good matchup against the Lakers team that was super um, disciplined in what they were doing. Jared Allen was able to feast against the Nets because the Nets were sloppy. They couldn't rebound and, uh, you know, they were getting torn up on the pick and roll and in transition. But against a set defense when the Cavs are not firing in all cylinders, and they weren't, Garland's still working his way back, Kevin Love's still out of the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it's nice to have Andre Drummond to eat some possessions and, uh, until that isn't the case, they're going to miss not having him uh, when when he's gone. I just kind mm-hmm. of felt like it was a point we needed to make. No, I'm really happy you brought that up because it was a thought that had crossed my mind, but I, I wasn't really planning on bringing it up. So thank you for that. Um, one thing I will mention, though, is as much as we've turned wins and lessons into a meme, uh, I think this is actually a really good example of it because like the things we're learning about sex and the things that the Cavs are learning is a result of trying to win every single game, right? Like the defense you're going to see in a close game in the fourth quarter from the LA Lakers is different than the defense you'd see if you were just gunning down 20 the entire game, right? Like this is all really important that when the Cavs fail 
in these close games, they're failing in ways that are instructive when you're trying to figure out what the next steps are, whether it be from a team building standpoint, whether it be from an internal improvement standpoint, getting into these games and competing every single night is really, really essential to that process. As much as people will roll their eyes at moral victories or wins and lessons, things like that. This is stuff that adds up. Like this is meaningful. Yeah. Be competitive. You know, that that's why, the Celtics game was the closest thing you can get to a meaningful ass kicking, mm-hmm. but they do have to keep those very limited. You know, like that is really, really right. important. You look at, you know, you look at this team right now, they're eight and nine. I want to say they're like 15th or 16th in the league in terms of record. I want to say they're 26th in point differential right now. Ass kickings like that uh, are the kind of ones that drop you down those lists are kind of predictive of your overall quality as a team. If you let them happen too often mm-hmm. and they kill your development time, that fourth quarter where, where Isaac Okoro gets to take a huge three to try to bring the game close before LeBron put it away. Very important for his development guarding a keyed in LeBron who is firing on all cylinders. <laughs> very important for his development. Side note, it was so funny because AC clearly did not want Okoro guarding LeBron that whole game. And by the fourth quarter, he couldn't abide anymore. He was like, I, I don't know if you want the young fella on <laughs> like AC. He's not getting pulled off. Sorry. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that was actually a nationally televised game up here. Um, and we got the Lakers feed. So I didn't get to hear any of Austin Carr uh, being upset about that. I actually thought Okoro did a really good job on LeBron. And like that you can expect. That, that's a good lesson. Like the, the amount of times that he had like contested fadeaways and stuff like that. Like that's just what star players do. And that's a valuable lesson to learn, uh, especially after he went against the Nets uh, victory and did a good job on them. And they, they struggled. It's good to see him fail <laughs> doing the right things against a star player. I, I, I thought he, he played a really good game. Um, it was frustrating to see him miss a couple at the rim but when you're playing a team like the lakers and you're guarding lebron on the defensive end and you're spending that much energy like the amount of effort it takes to get by all of the lakers length and get to the rim is something i i think doesn't always get brought up um but still given how good his touch has been around the rim this season and one of the kind of bright surprises we've had uh for him the fact that he missed those in a close game was disappointing yeah, I, I just I messaged you during the game, just like Isaac, please. You're so close to so many dope plays, like the one where he ripped them, went in transition, euroed his way to the rim, and just biffed the layup. It was like, ah, so close to just like we want, like we want to swoon, Isaac. We're so <laughs> predispositioned to swooning, and and he was so close to doing it for them. But you know, I still am. You know, he's still going to have to work it out. I'm glad to see he's still pulling from three when he's open. That's a really, really important thing. I hope nobody tells him not to ever um, because that's going to be really, really important for his development as a player. Um, I think that his cutting continues to impress. Um, mm-hmm. He he is a very capable from the left wing cutter, very specifically, um, <laughs> which is a weird thing because he'll like kind of cut into traffic, but he cuts his timing is good enough that he's open to either jump for a lob or, or, or to get fed. I I've been very impressed with his off ball cutting so far. Yeah, I, I have been too. And speaking of off ball cutting, Dylan Windler, we need to have a little bit of a conversation here because he 
he fills in the blanks. I'd like to see him pull more. Like I kind of wish he was just a shameless three point shooter at times. He needs but, to be more shameless. It's important for his development. But zero he, three point attempts against the Lakers. Oh man, he took none. Eh? I, I feel like he passed up a couple minutes. in the corner too. Yeah. Um, but I he, want. I think the coaching staff has to have a frank conversation with him to the to the tone tune of my joke earlier, which is Dylan. This is the best defense in the league. If you have a couple feet of space, that might be the best we're going to get mm-hmm. on a possession by possession basis. And the more you make these, the more your dribble drive game opens up, which is not bad, by the way. His dribble drive game is fine, which yeah. is better than I would have expected it to be. He made some um, nice passes off the dribble, yes. too. That surprised yes. me. Yes. And so, listen, it's just a matter of you need to force them to fly at you on closeouts. And if that means you're 0 of 5 from 3, so be it. Uh, mm-hmm. This team can't can't keep getting up 23 uh, three-point attempts a game. It just can't. They have to pull when, when, they have, when they have space because their offense does not have the talent level to consistently generate clean looks, and that's okay. They're working on it. But, like, when you're, when you're open, you just got to pull. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that someone like KCP is a great example – KCP catches ready to shoot every single time now. Is he the best three-point shooter in the world? Apparently this season, but he hasn't <laughs> always been. But when you catch ready to shoot and you, you're going up the second you catch the ball, and a nice, it's help, helpful to be fed by LeBron, who puts it in your pocket every time. Yeah. But when you catch going up ready to shoot, a closeout has to be on time or it doesn't even affect your shot. And I think the Cavaliers would do well to learn from that. Yeah, and you made the same point basically with jetty right like the value that him taking three-point attempts has to the offense whether they're going in or not and i I think miami had the the same thing with duncan robinson after his first year where eric spolster was basically like hey you get the ball if you have any space just take the shot and like as much as will mean that dylan windler is the next duncan robinson or whatnot like he for what they need with this team, he needs to take those shots. And uh, I just think that it adds a lot to the offense. I, I I echo everything that you said there. And it really just needs to be that simple of, hey, if you have the space to take the shot, you're a lefty shooter, you're long, you're tall, fire away. Just fire away because that's what this team needs you to bring to the table. So in, um, in short, Jetty should not have an itchier trigger finger than you, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is not as good of a shooter as you. I'm very, and that is okay. That. And that, and that's as from a, a pretty big jetty defender over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I love that he brings other things to the table. I've been surprised by his defense at times. I've been surprised by his dribble drive game, as you mentioned. I've been surprised by his passing. His rebounding appears to have translated. That's great. Shoot, Keep surprising us. Shoot, 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 shoot the damn ball. ball. <laughs> Shoot the ball, Dylan. We we desperately need you to. You you know what Cavs fans really love? A shameless shooter. Please. Oh, please, yeah. Yeah, please and that's the thing. Off. No one's even going to be mad at you. <laughs> like, that's half of what we wanted with Garland, too, right? Like that, Yeah, we thought that, he was going to be more shameless, too. They're just too... You can't just shoot when it's completely ideal in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Especially not with uh, when you don't have an uber super elite creator like a LeBron or a Luca or something like that, where you could, you know, you're going to get wide, wide open shots. The mm-hmm. Cavs are rarely going to get Uber wide open shots because they just, you know, and I mean, 
maybe more as Colin gets more and more attention. But in the interim, you're going to have to settle for good, not great, uh, especially when you're talented enough to make a good shot, pretty a pretty high percentage points per possession shot. Right. No, I, I completely agree. So looking ahead at these next four games, how confident are you going into it? Because I'm I'm a little bit nervous, both with Garland uh, kind of not being full bars with Larry Nance uh, potentially missing some of these games. I'm just a little bit worried. And this was a stretch that I was really looking forward to. Uh, yeah, it was it, it seems a little more dubious than it was last week. Um, <laughs> the Knicks are a hardworking team. They're not an easy win anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the T-Wolves are a mess. The Pistons are kind of a mess, though. Jeremy Grant's really figuring it out. <laughs> Him Somehow. And it's like 40% usage rate. Like I, yeah, I just... But on, but on good now that percentages. Guy's shameless. That guy's shameless. Dylan, on good Dylan. percentages, though. No, no, no. D- Dylan, watch watch Jeremy Grant. Yeah, watch people. Jeremy Grant. Know that you're a better <laughs> shooter than that. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I just think that this is the kind of thing that might tell us if this season is going to take a bit of a dark turn heading into February. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is why we told people not to fret about lottery odds, about wins and losses. Like, yeah, we think this team can still make the playoffs. And if they, if they run through this, there's a real world. I think it's just as likely they go four and oh, as they go, you know, one and three. Yeah. In these next four games and they go four and oh, okay. That that's really going to drive the way we feel about heading into heading into the next month. Mm-hmm. But even with that said, they're not playing the Lakers, you know, 15 times in February, there are winnable games here, you know, at Portland, that's pretty banged up. Denver has been an up and down team. San Antonio is an yeah. up and down team. There are winnable games in February, but, uh, and, and you're not always playing, you know, I mean, that Clippers bucks bucks run is going to be pretty brutal to start the month, <laughs> but you know, from there, there are winnable games and you can catch these teams on, on the right uh, day but it's going to really drive how the season's going to go. I really think that the next like six games. Right. Like the Celtics lost to the Knicks by 30 points. Like the, yep. there's weird things that happen this year. And like, that, that's part of it too. When you're a young team, people don't necessarily see you coming and you can catch them on an off night. Right. Like that's part of the process. We wouldn't have guessed that the Cavs would already have wins over the Sixers, two wins over the Nets with <laughs> Kyrie, Katie and uh, James Harden. Like, this is part of the process, right? Like this is the the feeling out time. There's two months. We're we're two months away from the trade deadline at this point. This these are this is an informative stretch, right? Like I, I think the long term future of this team doesn't really change a whole lot based on what happens here. It's just figuring out how far ahead of schedule they are. So from that standpoint, I'm really excited because when you go into these games, when you go into the, these February games, as long as there's not like multiple thirty point beatdowns where you're dreading the next game if they're still competitive in these games i get excited by that because it's low stakes it's free money almost and like let's go out there and get a fun win because even if you win one out of four uh against like the clippers and bucks that that one is going to feel so sweet yeah i mean again i'm just looking for competition i slept i was actually kind of surprised at how forlorn people were after that lakers game um Mm -hmm. Because I kind of I slept easy. I was like, "Hey, fun game." LeBron went nuclear. Good night. Me too. And uh, I, I was kind of surprised people were so bummed, which I guess you know just speaks to the excitement level around this team right now. But um, that's the nice thing about where the season is. I just want to see him compete hard and 
establish good habits. And that's why the last couple of years have been, you know, you drove me freaking crazy. Um, (laughs) Even while you were telling me they were super fun, they weren't super fun for me because they felt a little aimless and it just felt like no culture was being built. So Mm -hmm. as long as I feel, you know, uh, the long arc of this going up, I can handle some losses. I'm not super worried about that. Really, again, I just want to see this team play good basketball. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, losses aren't going to change thing, uh, the the fact that we have four young guys that are really excited and care about and other guys that are kind of on the periphery that are interesting pieces as well. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed, obviously, that uh, we, we have a few more wins here o- over this next stretch. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for all your continued support. If you want to support us, you can do so by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books if you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go Cavs